Hey everyone, welcome to the Building a Financial Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial knowledge. This is episode 10, recorded on March 26, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice. Do your own research. So this week, uh, I will go through the normal uh, weekly market overview uh give you some hot takes although i will be honest uh not much has changed um since last week uh and then uh we'll go into uh weekly bitcoin news quite a bit of news this week so i think i have uh, four articles to share and then uh we'll finish up with um a very simple uh, walk through of Bitcoin self custody. Um, walk you through uh, setting up a uh, Ledger Nano S, um, which I just did recently. That's uh, the second hardware wallet that I've set up, and uh, also how to set up a uh, Strike account uh, on the Strike app, and then uh, buy Bitcoin there for no fee and then transfer that into your hardware wallet. So that'll be uh, be at the end. So moving into the weekly update, again, this is courtesy of Seeking Alpha. Uh, the uh, All three major stock market averages notch their second straight winning week with energy topping Friday's sector leaderboard as crude oil advanced to nearly $120 per barrel following drone attacks on a Saudi Arabian fuel depot. The sector helped the S&P 500 to a half a percent gain on Friday and a 1.8% rise for the week. While the tech-heavy NASDAQ fell slightly on Friday, but led the major indexes for the week with a 2% rally and the Dow Jones ticked up 0.3%. The stock market's rebound has come even as the war in Ukraine continues with little sign of being resolved shortly and with interest rates shooting higher as the Federal Reserve stays on track to raise rates throughout the year. Two-year Treasury yields surged 15 basis points and the 10-year yield added 12 basis points on the week. Uh, And again, pretty much the same as last week, Um, very cautious about stocks and uh, bonds and uh, still pretty bullish on hard assets commodities real estate gold silver bitcoin um and uh, and the like so really not not much of a change in my uh in my view um from what i've read it's about split you know some people think the market's gonna continue to take off here and rally uh, but uh, a lot of the folks I've been reading are saying hard to do with uh, with rising interest rates. And so unless the Fed stops raising rates and uh, reverses course, which, of course, would be tremendously bullish for all risk assets, if they continue down the path, it's going to be um, tough sledding for the stock market and the bond market. Uh, and then if, if inflation continues to uh, kick along as it has, um, 
pretty much the only thing that's going to do well in that environment are the hard assets. Okay, moving on to weekly Bitcoin news. So this was from CNBC, published on March 26th. Exxon is mining Bitcoin in North Dakota as part of its plan to slash emissions. ExxonMobil, the top oil and gas producer in the U.S., is piloting a project to mine Bitcoin in North Dakota, according to people with knowledge of the matter. For over a year, Exxon has been working with Cruzo Energy Systems, a company based in Denver, said the people who asked not to be named because details of the project are confidential. Cruzo's technology helps oil companies turn wasted energy or flare gas into a useful resource. Similar to ConocoPhillips mining scheme in North Dakota's Bakken region, Exxon is diverting natural gas that would otherwise be burned off into generators, which convert the gas into electricity used to power shipping containers full of thousands of Bitcoin miners. Exxon launched the, pro- the pilot in late January 2021 and expanded its build-out in July. While Exxon hasn't talked publicly about its work in the space, Eric Obrock, a 10-year veteran at the company, said on his LinkedIn profile, that from February 2019 to January 2022, he proposed and led the first successful commercial and technical demonstration of using Bitcoin proof-of-work mining as a viable alternative to natural gas flaring in the oil patch. Obrock's title on his profile is NGL Industry Outlook Advisor, referring to the natural gas liquids market. Obrock told CNBC through a LinkedIn message that he's been advised he can't speak to the media on this topic. Exxon didn't respond to a request for comment. Exxon's Bitcoin project isn't really about making money from the cryptocurrency. Rather, the company's pledged to reduce emissions as part of an industry-wide effort to meet higher environmental demands. In early March, Exxon joined other oil companies in committing to the World Bank's Zero Routine Flaring by 2030 initiative introduced in 2015. The type of crypto mining arrangement it's pursuing with Crusoe reduces CO2 equivalent emissions by about 63% compared with continued flaring. Exxon's Bitcoin mining work in North Dakota was first reported by Bloomberg, which said the company was also considering similar pilots in Alaska, the Kwa Ibo Terminal in Nigeria, Argentina's Vaca Muerta, Shalefield, Guyana, and in Germany. The problem Exxon and Conoco are addressing has existed for years. What happens when drillers accidentally hit a natural gas formation? Unlike oil, which can be trucked out to a remote destination, gas delivery requires a pipeline. If a drilling site is close to a pipeline, producers can sell it right away. But if the pipe is full or if the gas is 20 miles away, drillers often burn it off. That's why you typically see flames rising from oil fields. In addition to the environmental hazards, drillers are also burning cash. Enter Bitcoin mining, which only requires an internet connection and can be done from anywhere. And because miners' primary variable cost is energy, they're incentivized to find the cheapest sources of power. This is just a great way to bring the demand to the wasted energy and solve two problems at once, said Cully Kavnis, president of Crusoe, whose backers include Valor Equity Partners, one of Tesla's largest investors, solved the energy appetite of Bitcoin and solved the stranded energy flare gas problem for the energy industry. Kavnis said Crusoe has 150 employees and works with Norway's Equinor, ASA, Canadian oil producer Enerplus, and Devon Energy based in Oklahoma City. 
Permits from North Dakota's Division of Air Quality show Cruzo can run 20 portable engines with 11 currently in use as well at well sites across the state. Two of the engines are operational at wells run by XTO Energy, Exxon's oil and gas fracking subsidiary at the Jorgensen Deep Crack site. Kavanaugh said most of Cruzo's 80-plus data centers are deployed in the back end. We're really moving the needle on flared volumes, Kavanaugh said. More than 10 million cubic feet of gas per day that would be flared is not flared because we've deployed our systems. The World Bank, in its most recent Global Gas Flaring Reduction Partnership Report, recognized Crusoe as offering an innovative solution to flaring. The article goes on to talk about methane and some other things, but I think the important thing here is that um, this allows for Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin mining is key to securing the Bitcoin network because the miners uh, are really ones that validate transactions on the network. And if they're successful in, in completing one, then they get awarded Bitcoin. So um, it's profitable to be a Bitcoin miner, especially at scale, if you have a lot of uh, mining equipment. And, uh, and uh, it increases the hash rate of the, of the network, which provides, again, more security, makes it harder to hack. And, uh, and in this case, it actually, um, it, you know, helps the environment, which is um, uh, a really positive thing. And that's one of the things that, that, you know, people bring up about the Bitcoin's energy consumption. But uh, the beauty of the Bitcoin mining operation is it can be located very close to where the energy uh, is produced, whether it's solar, wind, hydroelectric, and and doesn't need to be um, in a you know where people are. Um, that's one of the big problems with power is, it, and a lot of times it's being generated far away and then has to be um, transmitted to where the people are. So, um, you know, it can you know Bitcoin can really help. Uh, uh, fund the uh, development of alternative energy um, in that sense. So that was pretty big news. Uh, the next uh, one is also from CNBC. This was published on March 24th. Russia is considering selling its oil and gas for Bitcoin as sanctions intensify from the West. Faced with stiffening sanctions from Western countries over its invasion of Ukraine, Russia is considering accepting Bitcoin as payment for its oil and gas exports. In a videotaped news conference held on Thursday, the chair of Russia's Duma Committee on Energy said in translated remarks that when it comes to friendly countries such as China or Turkey, Russia is willing to be more flexible with payment options. Chair Pavel Zavalny said, that the national fiat currency of the buyer as well as Bitcoin were being considered as alternative ways to pay for Russia's energy exports. We have been proposing to China for a long time to switch to settlements and national currencies for rubles and yuan, Zavalny said in translated comments. With Turkey, it will be lira and rubles. He didn't stop with traditional currencies. You can also trade Bitcoins, he said. Bitcoin is up close to 4% over the last 24 hours to about $44,000. The price of the cryptocurrency spiked around the time that the news reports of Zavalny's remarks first crossed. The energy chair also doubled down on President Vladimir Putin's promise on Wednesday to require unfriendly countries to pay for gas in Russian rubles. 
that's important, by the way, because that would effectively force uh, countries to support the ruble, which has crashed um, as a result of all the sanctions that were placed on Russia um, due to their invasion of Ukraine. Putin's announcement sent European gas prices soaring over worries the move might aggravate an energy market already under pressure. If they want to buy, let them pay either in hard currency, and this is gold for us, or pay as it is convenient for us. This is a national currency, Zavalny said, in comments that echoed the president's warning from the day before. Though the U.S. has banned imports of Russian oil as part of its response to Moscow's war in Ukraine, sources have told CNBC it's unlikely that the European Union will follow suit, given its heavy dependence on Russian energy, in part to heat homes during the winter months. Russia is clearly looking to diversify into other currencies, said Nick Carter, co-founder of Coinmetrics. He told CNBC that Russia has been preparing for that kind of transition since 2014, when it started to divest all U.S. treasuries. But the country wasn't fully prepared for foreign FX assets to be frozen, said Carter, who is also a founding partner of Castle Island Ventures, an early stage firm focused on cryptocurrency. Russia now appears to be serious about moving away from the dollar. They have something the world needs, Carter said. Russia is the number one exporter of natural gas globally. Russia could potentially convert energy reserves into hard assets that could be used outside the dollar system. Putin has changed his tune on Bitcoin. In 2021, the Russian leader told CNBC's Hadley Gamble that while he believed Bitcoin had value, he wasn't convinced it could replace the US dollar in settling oil trades. Now the Kremlin's top brass is weighing it as a form of payment for major exports. It's unclear, however, whether Bitcoin's relative lack of liquidity could support international trade transactions of that magnitude. So needless to say, that was pretty big news. Um, and again, anything that increases the adoption of Bitcoin, uh, whether friend or foe, is, uh, is good for the overall network. And, um, and uh, Bitcoin is truly a, a neutral um, uh, asset. So um, that was big news. The... Next article here is from Bitcoin.com, um, Luna Foundation. So this is a, a, a stable coin that uh, is using Bitcoin to back uh, or um, support the value of the stable, a stable currency. So this is kind of a new thing because uh, up to this point, um, none of the stable coins have really used Bitcoin to They've, they've used other assets like treasuries or cash or uh, other um, uh, liquid type of assets. But uh, this is, this is uh, kind of a first. So Luna Foundation's Bitcoin reserve wallet now holds 1.1 billion in Bitcoin. During the last week, the cryptocurrency community has been discussing the Bitcoin purchases made by Luna Foundation Guard, LFG, as on-chain data shows LFG's Bitcoin wallet currently holds 24,954.95 Bitcoin worth $1.1 billion. LFG's Gnosis safe address shows over the last four days, there's been 660.6 million tethers sent out of the foundation's wallet. Uh, Do, Do Kwan confirms a Bitcoin wallet belongs to LFG. 
On March 26, 2022, the Luna Foundation Guard Bitcoin wallet holds 24,954.95 Bitcoin worth 1.1 billion. During the last four days, the address has accumulated a massive number of Bitcoin after Terra's founder Do Kwon recently hinted at the blockchain project leveraging Bitcoin-linked tokenomics. After someone asked Terra's founder why the project decided to choose Bitcoin for a reserve asset, Do Kwon replied, quote, Bitcoin is the only hard reserve asset that's been proven out of the digital currencies. It's very difficult for somebody in crypto to question Bitcoin. After the statement, the community noticed movement stemming from a Gnosis safe address that's reported owned by LFG. Additionally, the news publication Bitcoin Magazine tweeted about LFG's Bitcoin address and said the foundation confirmed the address and purchases to back its UST stablecoin. Following the statement, on March 25th, the news publication further verified the tweet in an article that said Terraform Labs founder Do Kwan on Wednesday confirmed the via email that the address indeed belongs to LFG. <clears throat> Since then, the LFG Bitcoin address continues to accumulate BTC as the last transaction shows it obtained 493 Bitcoin on March 26th. It holds 24,954.95 Bitcoin worth 1.1 billion and the address has never sent a single Satoshi out of the wallet. The Gnosis safe address has sent four USDT transactions worth around 125 million, and the last Tether send was for 160.7 million Tether. So that's pretty interesting news. Again, that's uh, more Bitcoin adoption. Um, and using uh, Bitcoin as a treasury reserve asset to back stablecoin um, is, a, is a very interesting uh, use case. And uh, again, as long as the Bitcoin uh, price uh, remains relatively stable um, and uh, there's and it's over collateralized, then, then that would certainly make the stablecoin that's backed by Bitcoin um, very strong, I would think. And finally, uh, this also from Bitcoin.com. Uh, Janet Yellen admits crypto has benefits, says Treasury working on crypto regulation. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen talked about cryptocurrency in an interview with CNBC Friday. She was asked about cryptocurrency given that Russia has said it is considering accepting Bitcoin as payment for energy resources. Yellen replied, quote, crypto has obviously grown by leaps and bounds and it's now playing a significant role, not really so much in transactions, but in investment decisions of lots of Americans. She proceeded to explain that President Joe Biden's executive order tasked the Treasury Department and other federal agencies with thinking about the regulation of crypto. When asked about whether she's still skeptical about crypto, the Treasury Secretary commented, I have a little bit of skepticism because I think there are valid concerns around it. Some have to do with financial stability, consumer investor protection, use for illicit transactions, and other things, she added. She added... Quote, on the other hand, there are benefits from crypto, and we recognize that the innovation in the payment system can be a healthy thing. We would like to come out eventually with recommendations that will create a regulatory environment for healthy innovation, she opined. 
Earlier this month, Yellen revealed that Treasury will monitor crypto to see whether it is being used to evade sanctions by Russian individuals and entities. We will continue to look at how the sanctions work and evaluate whether or not there are leakages, and we have the possibility to address them, she said. However, a senior official with the department subsequently said that the Treasury does not see that crypto could be used in a large-scale way to evade sanctions. And again, that's primarily because of the open nature of the blockchain. It's very hard to hide transactions on there. And in many, many ways, it's actually easier for law enforcement to follow transactions through, through uh, uh, the blockchain, whether it's Bitcoin or, or any of the other coins. So uh, that's relatively positive news as well. So uh, again, that's kind of the wrap on the weekly bit no Bitcoin news. And moving on, so uh, we'll do a quick walk through Bitcoin self-custody. So, um, so the first step is really to get a hardware wallet. And I went on Amazon and found um, the cheapest on there is a Nano uh, Ledger Nano S. I think it was $59 on Amazon Prime, so not a, not a huge investment. Uh, <clears throat> came in two days. And it's uh, relatively simple and easy to set up. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, this is the second hardware wallet that I've set up. First one was a Trezor. And um, uh, this, was, this one was actually pretty easy to, uh, to do. So, so I'm gonna walk through the steps. Uh, and then after that, I'll, I'll walk through the steps of setting up a, um, a Strike account uh, you know, with, the, with the Strike app. Um, you can buy Bitcoin on Strike for no fee, uh, which is a good thing. And then, uh, and then it's pretty easy to transfer the coins from <clears throat> the app into your hardware wallet. So, um, first thing you'll do is you'll get you'll get you know the box and open it, and inside you'll have the the ledger itself, which looks like a little USB drive. And uh, it comes with a uh, little cable. Um, you do need a computer um, that you plug the uh, you'll plug in the device uh, into the one end of the cable, and then you plug in the USB um, side into a USB port in your computer. And then um, there's a, an app you have to download called Ledger Live. Um, and then uh, once you're once you've done that, you may have to update the uh, you may have to update the firmware in the in the in the ledger uh, device. So it'll kind of walk you through that step by step. Um, once you do that, then then you should be ready to set up. So um, you connect the ledger to your computer um, using that USB cable. You should see on the device, it'll say, Welcome to Ledger Nano S. Um, if it does um, ask you immediately for a PIN code, then you should probably uh, not use the device, and you probably need to return it and get a different one. Um, so it should not do that. There's a little uh, left button and a right button that you use to navigate the um, on-screen instructions, and then <clears throat> by pressing both buttons at the same time, um, you make your selection. 
So uh, you scroll through, and then uh, when you see the option set up as a new device, you click both buttons at the same time, and then it'll take you to the next step. So um, uh, you have to choose your PIN code next. So uh, you click on uh, or you select choose PIN code. When that's displayed, press both buttons. And then uh, you press the right or the left button to choose the first digit. And then you press both buttons to enter a digit. And then you repeat that process until you've entered um, four to eight digits. So I think four is the minimum, eight's the maximum. And it should be something you know relatively easy for you to remember because that's what you're gonna use when you need to access the device. And then um, uh, if you forget and then you, you get locked out, then the only alternative is to use your seed phrase to um, get back into it. So you definitely wanna use your, uh, <clears throat> remember your pin code. Uh, and then you select the check mark. Uh, which is kind of at the very end, and you press both buttons to confirm the pin code. Uh, and then, if you if you need to, you know, erase something, you use the back backspace icon. Then, what it's going to do is it's going to ask you to confirm your pin code, so you enter it once more, and then um, you should be uh, good to go. Um, they do have some security tips. Um, make, make sure you choose your own PIN code since this, that's what's going to be used to unlock your device. Um, eight digits is considered an uh, optimal level of security. And again, never use a device supplied with a PIN code uh, or a recovery phrase. Okay, so then the next step is to um, generate and write down your recovery phrase. So it's 24 words. So your 24 word phrase will be displayed word by word on the Ledger um, Nano S screen. And this phrase is the only backup of your private keys and it'll only be displayed once. So you have to be really careful in going through this. So there's a there, there'll be some blank recovery sheets that are supplied in the box. So take one of those out and you'll see there's there's 24 um, numbers um, and with blanks to write in the words. So you start with the first word. So you'll it, you'll uh, it'll show the first word. You write it down on the recovery sheet. Um, and then you know verify that you've captured it correctly because the order matters. So the first word has to be in the first spot and the second and so on and so forth. So then you press the right button to move to the second word, which is word two. You write that in position two on the recovery sheet, verify that you copied it correctly, and then you repeat the process until you get to the 24th word. And the device will generate these words and only that device will generate those words, and there's no nowhere else is going to know what those are. It, it's not connected to the to the um, to the to the company or anything like that. The device just generates those words randomly. So then the next step will be once you've entered all the words and you've written them all down, you you press both buttons to confirm your recovery phrase. 
Then what it's going to do is it's going to ask you for certain words. Um, so like it'll ask you for the fourth word or the third or the second or whatever. And so you just have to scroll through until you find the word with the left or the right button and then validate that word by pressing both buttons. And you just need to repeat that step for each of the requested words. And then your device will display processing and then it'll say your device is now ready. And that's when you've completed the setup process. And you can press both buttons to access the dashboard and then the dashboard is where you can access apps and settings on your device. So again, some security tips. Anyone with access to your recovery phrase could take your assets. So make sure you store that securely. Um, I would keep it in a home safe or fireproof safe somewhere like that. Um, note that Ledger does not keep a backup of your 24 words. So uh, it, once it's gone, it's gone. Um, sometimes you might even want to make two copies, you know, and keep it in two different places. Um, just in case you lose one copy. Um, <clears throat> and that's pretty much it. And then um, once you're inside the app, um, you, you do have the ability to uh, do several things. Um, you can uh, transfer uh, coins in, you can transfer coins out, um, check your balance, um, so on and so forth. So now that you have the wallet set up, the next step is to buy some Bitcoin and then uh, and then um, transfer it into into the the hardware wallet. So um, now I've used Coinbase, I've used Crypto.com, I've used other um, the those are the main ones that I've used to buy Bitcoin. Um, but Strike is is uh, unique in that it's it's a um, a Bitcoin and payment app. It facilitates global payments at zero cost and also zero commission uh, or zero fee Bitcoin purchases. So, for example, Coinbase charges about one and a half percent. So, you know, you can get a lot more Bitcoin with each purchase if you don't have to pay a fee. And I did check the pricing, and the pricing is, you know, spot on between what um, what Strike shows and what what Coinbase shows. So <clears throat> it's not like there's a huge spread between the market pricing or anything like that. So, and most folks in the Bitcoin space recommend that that that's where you buy it, especially if you're going to dollar cost average. And I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, later because they have some interesting features. Um, so first you download Strike app on your phone. Um, you go to the far right icon and click on it. It's like a little person. You click on that and then you have to add a payment method. So I'd recommend just um, adding your checking account and uh, it'll walk you through some steps to validate um, and set up your account. Um, You'll also notice on that screen that you can direct deposit um, all or a portion of your paycheck into Strike. So if you want to pay yourself in Bitcoin, you can you can <clears throat> do a direct deposit and then set up a recurring purchase. Um, 
Then the next step, once you have your account set up, is to click Deposit on that same screen. And you'll see that the maximum is $1,000 for a, a bank deposit. There's no fee, and that will come straight out of your bank account. Then uh, after, the, after you have money in your account, then you go to the second icon from the right. It's like a little Bitcoin symbol. And you click on that. And then you can um, hit buy and you can either buy one time or you can set up a recurring purchase and uh, <laughs> you can do it hourly, daily, weekly, or monthly. So, um, and I've seen people do all of those. So uh, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, but let's say you just want to buy a hundred dollars. So you, you buy a hundred dollars, complete your purchase, you will have the Bitcoin in your Strike wallet. So then on that same screen, if you click on the arrow icon in the upper left corner, um, <clears throat> um, you'll, it'll, it'll open up a little uh, screen to scan a QR code. Um, so then um, if you open up your Ledger Live app, which is the app that goes along with the Ledger Nano, um, and you have to be logged in to your to your uh, your ledger uh, hardware wallet to be able to access the uh, the send feature. But you'll see in a menu over to the left send uh, and send and receive. <clears throat> so you click on receive, and then um, you uh, you can click on uh, the QR code. And then um, what I usually like to do is to uh, the device will show the uh, the Bitcoin address. That you're uh, that you're going to be uh, receiving it to, and then you just want to make sure it matches what's on the screen. It should, and then um, you can just simply hold your the uh, Strike um, app or your phone over that QR code, and it'll capture it in um, in the Strike app, and then you just hit send, and then you wait a couple minutes, and then you should um, see it register. Um, on the hardware wallet and in the app um, but it may take up to 10 minutes for it to get a confirmation um, and once you get a confirmation then you know okay it's it's good they'll typically could be hundreds if not thousands of confirmations after that but you do need the first confirmation just to make sure that it actually went through um, now i send these all the time now and i don't worry about it but um, for your first time, it's probably a good idea to make sure that you, um, maybe you send a small amount. I mean, the fees are kind of expensive, but if, if you're nervous, maybe send $10 or $25 to your hardware wallet to start with, just, just, just so you're comfortable that it works. Um, and then once you've done that, then you can send the normal amount, um, or the, the full amount or however you want to do it. Um, if you're getting a dollar cost average, it's probably good to periodically move, move it onto your hardware wallet. And maybe you do that um, once a month. So maybe you, you uh, do um, daily or weekly uh, buys. And then at the end of the month, you move everything over to your hardware wallet. That's probably a good, uh, a best practice. Um, and other than that, um, that's it's pretty much 
that's it. So it's, it's not, uh, not super complicated. Um, and, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a huge expense either, whatever you can afford in terms of, uh, buying Bitcoin every, every month or every week. Um, you just, you can budget for it and buying the hardware wallet's not that expensive. And the strike app is basically free. So thank you for listening to the Building a Financial Fortress podcast, uh, helping you increase your financial knowledge. If you're interested, you can follow my blog at fi-q.blogspot.com. And uh, also I'm on Twitter at Nick Reichert, N-I-C-K-R-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. I'm pretty active there, maybe a little too active sometimes. Um, and, uh, hopefully you enjoyed the, uh, the show. And if you have any, uh, comments, uh, suggestions, please, uh, please leave them and, uh, and likes, uh, really appreciate that and share it with a friend and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>